podcast, Tales from Corporate. And this episode will be about following the yellow brick road to the end. Do you stay to the end? (laughs) This is very interesting in our current um, economic times. Many corporations decide to trim the budgets, cut back in attempts for survival, and they cut the budgets. And sometimes your team or your department, your boss is out or you're out. You're downsized, you're furloughed, and it can hurt because going to work on a daily basis, whether that's remote or to the office, it's structure in your life. It doesn't make you who you are for some people. And some people, it is identity, their position, whether they're a VP, they're an executive. So losing that for many people, it can be hard. It can be hard financially, and it can also be hard mentally and psychologically. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about reading those signs when the tide may have turned and how to be a little bit smarter about that or interpreting and, and, and paying attention and how that feels working remotely. So Maria, I'm going to pass this over to you, Maria, and um, let you start first with some tales. Why, thank you, Elise, as always. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a good week. Yeah. So there's never a time where this is not relevant, right? As much as a lot of us would like to simply go into work, do a great job, collect, you know, compensation, and then do it all over again. It's prudent, (laughs) we found in in our travels, in our corporate travels, to really keep your, your eyes open, or as I'd like to say, your peepers open, to the signs. Like really recently, I reread the great book, Who Moved My Cheese? And it, it talks about hem and haw, right? That two little mice who are going after cheese, but also two people. And what's interesting is that when they all, well, the four of them find the cheese, their, their reactions are a little bit different. And the cheese, you know, can be a variety of things. It could be a relationship, it could be your health, it could be, but for our purposes, it'll, it's going to be a, a great new job that you find. And of course, the cheese is your compensation and all of that. But the mice, just paraphrasing the book, the mice start to see every day that they go back for new cheese, that the cheese is diminishing, whereas the people don't notice that. And so one day when they all run, you know, to, you know, put their sneakers on, they run to that spot in the maze where the cheese was. One day there was no cheese. And Hem and Haw <laughs> looked at each other. And sorry, there was Scurry, Scurry and Sniff, Scurry and Sniff are the mice. I'm messing up. Hem and Haw with the people. Scurry and Sniff looked at each other. Scurry takes off, right? <laughs> it's like I'm out because Scurry saw it coming. And Sniff kind of sniffs around like, but what happened? You know, spends a little bit of time investigating, but not that much time and takes off behind Scurry because like I said, the both of them kind of saw it coming. Whereas Hem and Haw didn't see it coming. They had already put up their sneakers and, you know, they were like for the rest of the time that I want to come in and have cheese, the cheese will be there. But lo and behold, it takes Haw Haw, or him, one of them, forever and yet they that person doesn't pick up and go down the maze to find the cheese they just sit there and say this isn't fair 
I didn't see this coming. What do I do now? I'm too old. I'm too inexperienced. I'm too whatever it is. And they just say, well, maybe if I try harder, maybe if I, nah, bringing us today, you ever look, I don't know how many of you have been through mergers, acquisitions, mass layoffs, where they're the people who, even when they know layoffs are coming, they won't update their resume. They won't update their LinkedIn. They won't talk to people. And then there are the other people who are like, well, it's been a good ride. <laughs> I'm going to move on. And then still there's a, another group who see the signs and they've already beat the crowd into the marketplace and they've moved on and they've gotten the cheese, so to speak, that you know others will be fighting for because they came to awareness a little bit later. So I know you have specifics, but I always, you know, I think it's really great for everybody to reread that book. So you're reminded, keep looking at the signs, you know, keep your eyes open as well as do a good job. It is your job to pay attention. I can, I can <laughs> definitely, adult, I can definitely identify with paying attention. I'll never forget one tale. Of, as I, I say to the listeners, you'll, learned that I'm the one that had many jobs. I've had many jobs and I've actually changed industries and careers. So like I've made a few moves in my lifetime and I've, I can tell the difference between a job and a career, right? I could definitely tell you. And I can tell you when I've had jobs where you're like, oh, this place is going down in a fiery death. And then I've had moments when I've used the experiences from the jobs to interpret better um, the writing on the wall in my corporate career. So for instance, I remember one time working out here in LA and we were all happy. It's kind of like we talk about it like it's the Shire, but we still keep in touch with a lot of people from that particular location and everyone was happy. And we have German parent company, okay? Financial company. And in my time that I got hired, they, they would come and visit Oh, quite frequently, right? This, this it was uh, maybe once every quarter, and you'd see them walking around. And you're like, this is interesting. And there was always a meeting, and it was a big town hall. And we're not closing, you all. We're not closing. Um, don't worry, don't worry. Then the end of 2016, all of that changed. Literally, it was not even the first week of December was done, and <laughs> we were in the ground floor going for a Starbucks run. So it was like 10, 30-ish, not quite lunch. And we happened to see a bunch of people going to this auditorium and we were like, uh-oh, and why is the German parent company people here? And the big bosses are all in the elevator. And then we saw all these low-hung faces from all these Veeps and executives. And we looked at each other, myself and my coworker, and we were like, uh-oh, this is trouble. Then we get the email and it's like, everyone, please come to the auditorium, come to the auditorium. And we knew because we bumped into them and saw them with the sullen faces coming from on, on the ground floor, coming from the auditorium on our little Starbucks run, we knew something was wrong. So we go to the auditorium, people pile in, I mean, hundreds of people pile in. And that's when they break it to everybody in the first week of December, right before Christmas, that they will be closing the LA office. When I tell you, Maria, 
people, grown people just lost it, like lost it. Now me, myself, that week, like earlier in the week, I was told by my boss I was being converted to a full-time employee. So it was my turn, because that's how they used to do it. Like first one in, first one converted. And it was, December was my month to be converted. So I know it's like, yes, I'm, I'm finally going to be full-time with benefits. In the long run, it actually worked out for me that I was not. When we all got upstairs, so people started running, bolting from the auditorium, grown people, crying, people bolting, people on, it was absolute pandemonium, mayhem, yes. So myself and my coworker, we run, he's panicking too, shaking like a leaf. And maybe because I was a contractor, I am always prepared to get the X. So, <laughs> so I, I wasn't as invested. I had only been at the company, I think, six, seven months. So we run upstairs, get on the elevators. And now, of course, that's like a whole uh, situation, trying to, everybody trying to triage and get back on these elevators and get upstairs. We get upstairs, 10 flights. And what's upstairs waiting for people? People start checking their work email. They get back to their desks in their cubes and the conference rooms around the floors. And at that time, I think we had about six floors. We're all filled with HR people ready to package people out. So you got an invite and you came to the office. it, It was like no letdown between downstairs at the auditorium getting the news and then, oh, Bing, Outlook message, you have a a request to meet at this room. And when you sat in there, that's when they told you the package you were going to get. So they did it in like a rolling consecutive term dates. So some people, it was the first week of December. Some people were going to be terminated in mid-January. Then the next one was like March as far as the next group, next batch. And then it was in the summertime for the next set. And I'm looking at my boss like, do I have to pack my bags? And he's like, it's crazy to me because also for himself, but he was also concerned for me. And he's like, it's a good thing you didn't sign those papers today. Like, that's how close. And because I was a contractor, I ended up working to the very, very end. As long as they could keep it. They were taking the furniture down around us. And I was still working there. And many of the people who had worked there for decades were all gone. It was, it was absolute. And then, I mean, you talk about cutting it close, Maria, the woman who mentored me at that company, she had taken a package. She had signed the paperwork for a package the year before. So she was thanking her lucky stars that she signed the package and, and didn't stay on. So she was staying on her last days were training me from 2016 into 2017. But if she hadn't signed her paperwork for that package, she would have gotten a lot less as far as a package to leave with. So, so it was, but we never, in that situation, we talk about those tails and that yellow brick road, everybody was happy hopping down the yellow brick road. No one in, in Veep management saw that one coming. And the excuse, just so you know, the reason that we were all let go that the parent company used was the, the they used Brexit. So it was 2016, December 2016, we mm. were affected hundreds of people by Brexit back then in America because they didn't, they wanted to mitigate their losses that they, because Brexit was supposed to pass a lot uh, sooner. 
that, that it did. They, I mean, 2020 was a four-year extension, but at the time, Brexit was a was a very big deal, and that was the first time they voted for it. So a lot of parent companies, a lot of conglomerates are trying to figure out how to do the logistics of how they're set up in the EU and having uh, employees in other areas. It's a huge impact. So that's one of my first tales about just not seeing it coming. How about you, Maria? Yeah, I mean, I think the benefit of you having had as many experiences as you have is you didn't fall into the second category that I mentioned, which is hem and haw. <laughs> hemming it, which is where we get the phrase hemming and hawing. And I think because in part, I got a so-called good job with a, a you know, supposed great firm and was starting off a air quotes, great career. I put away those sneakers for years and I wasn't always at the ready to go and get a new position. You know, I liked the benefits. I liked, you know, the people, I loved the people that I worked with and I liked the work that I did and I liked how stable the firm was and you can hear cheese, cheese, cheese. <laughs> and I was appreciated. I love me some cheese. But I tell you, it wasn't nine months at that job before uh, the housing market plummeted and we had the um, recession of 2008-2009. So <laughs> that uh, comfort level for me couldn't have, even though I'm telling you right now, I will admit to you, I would have gotten real nice and com comfy cozy, especially because the firm had never ever, it, and it was almost a hundred year old firm at that time, had never once laid off employees until that year. <laughs> and when I say until that 30%, there was a 30% cut of the firm. To say it was traumatic for adults, just kind of like the scenario you painted, which from a corporate standpoint, that's, that's about as bad as it gets, right? Um, that's mayhem. In my case, it wasn't all in one day before months, weeks and months of this is coming, there's going to have to be reductions. Gonna, there's going to have to be reductions. There's going to have to be reductions of, of people, not just budgets, of uh, people resources, right? And so uh, th then it was all the speculation of, but who? And I'll tell you, when it came down to it, it wasn't necessarily first in uh, last in, first out, because I was last in and I survived. It wasn't based on performance because there were people who had strong performance on their reviews and were still, you know, unfortunately laid off. Wasn't based on necessarily how great your relationship was with, with your boss, because oftentimes in many groups, the manager was told who to lay off. And they weren't necessarily given a reason. They didn't necessarily agree. I heard more than one occasion, a manager was shocked that they had to go in and um, be a part of laying off this person. So in certain cases, there aren't going to be signs of specifically, it'll be you or it'll be your team. Sometimes the sign is the economic market. So just being aware of the broader what's happening in your nation, what's happening in um, your market, what's happening in your industry. Then it's kind of 
this isn't your family. Corporate, no matter how great you think things are going for you, in the final analysis, corporate owes you nothing. That's the big lesson I I got that year. So uh, back to like reading the signs of how valued is your group and has that changed over time? Like, are is work continuing to come your way? Is are you as busy as you used to be, or are things drying up just a little bit? Is there hiring happening in your team, or is there a related team that? is hiring like gangbusters where your team is kind of stagnating at the same number of people. Are there other teams that do exactly what you do? Because I've seen plenty of times where groups have merged or companies have merged with ours and that's the first to go. Those teams are consolidated and the cuts are deep. I don't know about you, Elise, but that's um, some of what I've seen. And so I try to be conscious of it. I, you know, part of being conscious of it is setting up time with people who don't work in your group. I think that that's super critical more than ever now that we're, many of us are working remote in corporate. And I was just reminded from an internal mentor that I'm, you know, on a new team. So it's important that I don't just think, oh, I have to have a project to talk to this person about. In normal times in the office, we'd be striking up a conversation in the pantry and the information that you just by osmosis would get from seeing the visual markers of, are there lots of meetings happening with HR around you, right? (laughs) Are more people in the office than usual or or dramatically less people? What are, what's on people's minds? I found that it's a lot harder to know and see and observe these things in in the remote space. And I've tried not to worry about it too, too much because it is an even playing playing ground from that sense that everybody else is is at home. But um, it does make reading the signs a, a little bit more challenging. Agreed. Totally agree. It's, um, difficult. I think if you are scrappy and you do listen to or read your trade papers and you know what um, your industry is doing, you know, are are other companies scaling up? Are they expanding? Are they contracting? Mm -hmm. Agree there. Also, if your network is strong or you're still trying to build it, you should keep in touch with coworkers after you've left a, a company or the company has disbanded or closed. People land if you're still in the same town or in the same industry. You never know when you'll be working for someone else again or with, or they'll be working for you. And um, it just always helps to have that network strong. And LinkedIn is a great resource in keeping in touch with those people, but I can definitely relate to um, working at an institution And when there were the massive layoffs and furloughs and one of the executives was smart enough, I really liked her. She brought in, um, just so happened to be the company that I was with contracting for. They did a massive, massive session, all of these legacy employees to uh, like resume, like resume building. Let's get your resume back up to get you all back out into the network, you know, back out into the market, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it taught me a lesson about always having to keep my finger on the pulse of my industry 
and keeping my skill sets up to date and fresh. I cannot tell you when you talk about the cheese, how many people sat there in this huge session discussing. And I remember the reason why I knew was not only was I present for the session, but remember this was my headhunter, like my, my consultant company was there. So I knew the people because I have worked for them. And when we all went out to eat uh, later in the week, they were this because they were all very young as well. They were all taken aback at how many employees were like, I come into work and I'm responsible for doing, I move this pile of papers from the left to the right. And that's my job. I'm, I'm being simplistic with it, but people have become so complacent for 10, 20 years. They never thought, let me go out there and update my skills. And I think many people had bought into, like you said, the corporation owes you nothing, but legacy employees bought into the company. The corporation is going to take care of us. I'm going to retire with this. And it taught me a lesson. You have to, to, you can't afford not to um, update and stay on top of your skill set and on top of your CV. And if you're in a position where you're like, well, there's no really skill set for me. There's no certification for me. There's nothing to grow here. Then you should that that should be a red flag to you. That you're you're in an extremely dispensable position. And um, you know, but let's talk about if you have any tales about uh, Maria about people who thought they were indispensable. So like when you see when you see the big whales, people in the C-suite exit. Oh dear. Oh dear. Let's just talk about that because those are the people you think to yourself. Well, they're, they're not indispensable, but in a way, corporate kind of in America teaches you that everybody's replaceable. So please, Maria, please yeah. share. And <laughs> so <laughs> um, often that's an enviable position. I, by the way, I, I love the point you, you made about, you know, if you're in the position and you, <laughs> you're thinking, well, I, I don't, where do I go? You know, I'm, I've reached all I can. I, I can't get another... I'm sort of, you know, trying to make up for lost time, if you will, in that I wasn't always on top of, you know, getting new licenses and new um, certifications and, and stuff like that. My saving grace was I went to a lot of conferences, which built my network, which built my presence, which expanded my knowledge of my industry. And that sort of was how I stayed in the game. But now I, I literally I'm working with a um, career coach to strengthen, you know, how I talk about my personal brand. And uh, so there's, there's lots that one can do that's in your control, but back to the, uh, the coveted, <laughs> the coveted position of C-suite, you know, in order to get there, um, and I've talked to a number of, um, I've had the privilege of talking to a number of executives that they've, they're in a place with their career where they can just kick back and tell me some truths and you know, one has told me, you know, Maria, your your tenure as a as a CMO is like three years at a firm. You're lucky. So whereas we're talking about folks like us and staying on top of our skills and networking, and by the time you're your C-suite, you often, or else you should, have a little bit of awareness of the uh, mortality of your corporate tenure at a particular firm. Yes, of course, 
so often uh, executives stay longer than that, that, you know, two or three year mark. But more of the point is executives, they're more strategic than a lot of uh, employees that I've observed. So they'll make certain concessions to save their career. And it may look like promotion, a promotion or it may look like they've decided to embark on you know, a new part of the firm or something like that, but really they are in hot negotiation for, for their jobs. It just may not look like that to the naked eye. I don't know if you'd add anything else to that, Elise. With executives, there's the firm I worked for, which was a Japanese firm, and the Japanese C-suite could not understand the retention issues and the attrition rates in the States. And I had to tell one of the uh, big bosses, head of planning, I said to him, I said, in Japan, you lay out for us for a new hire coming in. They will be a company woman, company man. And if you follow this particular roadmap, this is where you'll be. The company will take care of you. You just have to give your life to the company. I said to him in America, before we busted up the unions in the 70s, 80s, we took care of people as well with pensions, but that doesn't exist anymore. We became the corporation became, it's, it's, it is its own entity, right? It is almost treated as a living person. And everyone has 401ks or 403bs. And you have to pretty much self-manage that. Only executives get deferred compensation and enhanced dividend plans for retirement. So in essence, there's it, it has developed to, with the younger generations, there's not much loyalty to the corporation. And when you grow up seeing your parents get laid off, replaced, downsized, then you live through the housing crisis. And now whatever this is we're about to go through or are, are in currently, it, you have to be more uh, agile and limber and flexible about trying to be able to move around and get a, a new position. So you're more self-interested and it's not about the corporation in that way. So <laughs> it gets um, interesting there. I got to say, the executive thing, I'll leave that alone, Maria, for our n- another episode to talk about what happens with with them in regards to how they end up leaving uh, a firm uh, or an org. But for the everyday person, I would... my advice would be think about how to always know what your industry or your tranche is doing. Um, and it's a little harder. I will say this. I, I had recently an old coworker um, about two months ago. The whole team was laid off. This is a huge, huge bank. Okay. And I was surprised and they didn't see it coming though. And one of the things that we talked about, this coworker and I, was that because everybody's remote, they've lost the sensory feeling of being at the water cooler 
and also being able to see what meetings are happening, who's going to those meetings, the body language coming out of those meetings. Those are those are usually the things you pay attention to. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's meeting with who? And you just kind of go, they're never usually over here at this building or they never come to this office. Those are the things that make you, you start to ask around a little bit. And now that everyone's working remotely, people have lost that. So when it did happen for them, how it went down, this is going to make you chuck a little bit, but it's really bad, right? It's dark. It's dark humor here, Maria. I said, how did it happen to my, co- my old co-worker, former co-worker? She goes, we got pop-ups on our Outlook. And she said the machine was running slow. She goes, that should have been one of the one of the indicators. My, my machine was slow that morning. So that was basically IT cutting access or removing oh, <laughs> removing things. Mm-hmm, and you're like, why is, what's going on with my email? So she gets an Outlook invite and it's like uh, 10 minutes and the description of it is odd. So that was another flag. She calls her boss and she goes, hey, what happened to our like morning meeting, our morning huddle? And the boss tells her, hey, I just got let go. And you all are going to get let go. And I would, the boss, this is the boss. I was part of those planning meetings for months since the late summer, which coincides with the uh, budget, you know, cutovers between the years. And um, I was part of the planning meetings to identify who should be let go, but I didn't think I would be let go. This is one of the executives telling this to my coworker who was uh, one of his direct reports. So now she is like on her mobile with a group chat with her coworkers trying to let them know that we're all getting the ax. Because, you know, they were like, where's so-and-so? Where's our boss? And everybody was on the Slack and then all of a sudden Slack stopped working. You see as much because IT was cutting access. So they didn't see it coming. And once again, this happened top of November, mid-November before Thanksgiving. So they weren't prepared. And um, people got, according to them, there was not much finesse in the 10-minute session with HR about what package they were going to get, how to go about. It was not much um, off-boarding done in an elegant way. It was pretty choppy. And and that was this coworker said to me, five years of service, five and in, I mean these days, five years of continuous service, and and that's how they dealt with us, and um, I I was flabbergasted, so yeah, you know, fl- really flabbergasted, and this person didn't even know how to collect an unemployment, didn't even know if they qualified. It wasn't like much. <laughs> handle you know and I was like well I'll, I'll tell you what I do know you know to this person so it's a it's a different climate and I do want to end on a positive note can we do that because I feel oh, like I was, add, I was gonna add something though I was gonna add okay. about um <laughs> signs two things one and okay certain people are hired to be the black hat if if you will and fire and clean house Oh, that definitely. Okay. So yeah. I do, I didn't want to go in a long winded story about that, but that yeah. same yeah. person that, is telling me mm-hmm. that there was mm-hmm. a, there were people brought in and that's always another sign where people brought in to do the dirty work, to, to do the, the cutting, 
yep. to do the trapping. And it, but once again, not being in the physical office, they weren't able to see these meetings happening. So they didn't know, you know, what was going on. They did. There wasn't much trust, but didn't see, didn't actually, you know, physically see it. So this one of the senses was cut. If you understand what I'm saying, you're at home working from home. So you have your audio, you know, you're able to talk to your coworkers, but not to actually see in that way right. and feel and read. So, um, yeah, that would definitely, it was a, it was a small crew, but she was brought in and there was a lot of fanfare too about her arrival, but it was cloak and dagger. And when they, you know, of course, thanks to LinkedIn, they were looking up her CV, her resume. And if you weren't smart or you didn't have experience, you had to read between the lines about what she was good at doing. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But that's a way that you can read between the lines, even virtual. Right. Just start to I mean, it's LinkedIn. It's 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 public. It's in the public domain. Get familiar with people's backgrounds. Right. So that you can. Have you that should. I've, mm -hmm. I've been I've been in that situation before. I felt bad for this coworker, but this former coworker. But for myself, I also I've been in two situations where I've seen the black hats. Like you said, the firing squad come through the front door and there's always a lot of, oh no, that's not what they're here to do. That's not what, when, when you hear too much, that's not what they, when you hear too much you denial. You protested too much. <laughs> yes, that is a red flag. It's a flag on the plate. So, <laughs> that's when you gotta do the whole, you know, I mean, it's, it's bad because I, I've been out in the contracting world. So you have a, you already don't keep a lot of information on your computer, but a lot of us work, you know, you, you manage your life at the job. So, so it is fair to say that IT departments know this too. A lot of people are more, some people are a lot better at keeping their personal life separate from their work life on their computer machines. But however, you do have like a doctor's appointment that the information might be on your work computer. You know, there's, there are aspects of your life that spill over and always, that's one of the things that does hurt is that if you're not prepared for the acts and your machine gets cut, oh. you don't have it. You've lost that information. So you've yeah. lost some of your work. So you should always keep a portfolio. That's another positive, I would say. If you have a deliverables, things that you're responsible, projects you worked on, documents that you've created, yes, it is the company's um, intel that it's it's their intellectual property, and however you can put branding on it. But if you were instrumental and or solely responsible for creating that, you should have copies of your work. Because when you do walk into an interview, it helps tremendously when you can show them, this is what I do. They don't have to imagine it. It's like when you go shopping for a house and the house is already um, staged. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much easier to seal the deal. Um, and when you are out there in that climate and you feel like you're, 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 the end is coming, the yellow brick road is ending, you want to be closing at the, those, those interviews. So you definitely want to have copies of your documentation or projects that you've you've worked on. You want to have be able to show that work, and also want to make sure you keep your machine, your computer for those who are not in IT. <laughs> you want to keep your machine. You want to keep your machine at work um, clean. So you want to do like a monthly email cleanup. Like it helps because those are the things that people are like, oh my god, that was that was in my. I you have no. 
sometimes you don't realize how much your your work life and your personal life meld. So you want to make sure you go into your Outlook or and clean that up. You make sure you want to clean up your messages. You, you just sometimes you just want to be deleting things, and it sounds like sinister, but it's not dirty. It just helps to make sure that you manage your information and your data properly, and that you don't have any of your personal information on the computer past a certain point. So you don't have to panic that oh my god, I have years worth of personal emails on here. You shouldn't, but it happens. You may have to email the email the the hospital, the doctor's office, or the dentist, and you did it from your work computer. That's not a crime. So um, I always say, in most jobs, you can't even stick a USB device in your laptop. Anymore. So that's dead. Yep. You mm -hmm. got to be stuck in hell of, and I've done that before. It's terrible of having to email yourself a document. So you just want to just manage that. So I kind of have for myself in my personal life, I delete a lot of emails in my personal email. And then also at work, I do massive cleanups. So like I'll take a few hours on a Friday and just delete, 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 delete. Well, so <laughs> I work in, remember, I'm still in financial services, so. <laughs> they are, people, they archive. Even, no, even they, they my definitely retain and archive information, but yep, mental checks yep. about how invested you are. Like, I remember I got so good at contracting. This is going to make you laugh, Maria, in a dark way. <laughs> I used to have a Starbucks bag rule. I know, sounds crazy. Break, break that down. Starbucks bag rules. So most people, when you go to Starbucks, you get the, the Starbucks bag is a standard size bag when you're, you're getting like a sandwich, yogurt, little stuff yeah, to the, take. with the handles. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. With the green handles, the brown bag. I have a rule for my desk at work that if it can't all fit in a Starbucks bag, I'm too invested in, I'm too, I've got too many things at my job. It sounds, it sounds lean, but you feel better walking out with a Starbucks bag <laughs> than, than, than boxes. And people, and that was another thing I saw when, when I was at that former company when they they gave us the when I was telling the story in the beginning. Mm -hmm. The tail. People, I mean, that was another issue. People had been working here for decades. People had people had manuals, computer manuals for like DOS. And all kinds of old machine, IBM manuals mm -hmm. from the 70s, the 80s. Some people's offices smell like cigarette smoke from like decades. <laughs> and all of this now was clean up. Like people didn't know where to start. People, wow. people were like, all my post-its are here. And I was like, stop doing that. You've got to change the way you work. And I know it sounds like I'm lecturing, but it literally is people like, I have, and I love to have my little post-its up too, but trust me, I can pull those down real quick and they go really well in a folder that goes in that Starbucks bag. In that Starbucks bag. And I love that. I actually really love that. I have a friend who <laughs> she's always like, I think I stepped in it today. And then I had to do the mental <laughs> calculation of how quickly I can pack up my desk before security comes to tackle me. <laughs> exactly. It's but no, because you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, they sometimes some companies take joy in people making those horrible exits. Some people are pensive about it, but it's always that feeling when you're in corporate, like, um, mm -hmm. today might be the day. Am well, I ready to walk out of here? Well, I, um, I love that because last year when COVID happened, we had a short window where we could go into the office and retrieve whatever we needed to continue to do our job. And I remember, and I think I'm going to tell you, Elise, I think working in New York, um, albeit we were babes, 
But um, being at the job during 9-11 has on a like now it's it's in my cells. This it's it's ingrained in me. Be ready to run and don't look back. So I keep sneakers at my desk. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do too. Always. Yeah. Because I, at that time I, I worked in a build, you know, one of these high rise buildings and said, if you, you know, read all the stories about world trade, you know, God bless those folks. Many people had to walk down, you know, the 70 stories or whatever it was. Um, or, even if they didn't work in a high rise, they had to walk home to other boroughs. Oh yeah. My family was from the Bronx and that is numerically speaking, you're talking like 250 blocks, 300 blocks. Yeah. Yeah. So people were like, uh, track shoes, anyone? Cause there was no subway. No bus, so I understand. So sometimes real life intersects with your job, your, your corporate job. And COVID was one of those times. So when I visited my desk, I took everything that was valuable to me as if I would never see that desk again. Whereas I have colleagues that are like, oh, I wish I took my this. I wish I took my lamp. I kind of did need this. But now you can't really nearly go back into the office. Like you need literally security clearance, an executive (laughs) <laughs> it's a pay, what I like to call is a papal dispensation. You need a papal dispensation mm-hmm. um, a, a, to go in many different signatures bef- to justify you going in because they're going to have to clean up after you. They're going to have to call in teams and all of that. So even something like that, folks have lots of uh, plants and family photos and this, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with having a desk that is comfortable for you to work at. But I I can't tell you how many people told me, well, you know, I thought this COVID thing would only be a couple of weeks. So I left everything at my desk. And there was a lot, a lot of, there were a lot of valuable things at my desk. And I'm like, why are valuable things not gone with you? You know? <laughs> Well, I would say yeah, this. I think that I think that yeah. now that they've had to work without, I think that people working at home, unless they once again are executives and they have the space, the actual real estate square footage, a lot of people are working a lot more mean, lean and mean. You know, like they want to have a differentiation between home and work life now. So yeah. Isn't that funny? And now they want to say, "This is my office space, and when this laptop is closed, I'm off the clock." So it it does go to your head like, I don't actually need those physical things that I thought I needed on my desk or that I thought made my desk more personal for me. I think there's going to be a lot more purging. Maybe the hoard, because I used to always joke, a lot of hoarders at work, because <laughs> you can tell, you can tell on people's desks. You're like, oh my gosh. But visually that's a different episode. <laughs> yeah, visually disturbing. But Just, um, we, we digress. I digress. I Back to the yellow brick road. That in yes, the end. no, no. I think I think people will go back to the when we return back to the offices. I think people will be purging and saying, you know, I didn't really need that. Yeah, I can do without. I'm grateful for what I have. I only need these things, and this is work. And I come in and I work, and um, it's not my whole life. We can we can do without some things, right? I think that 2020 and uh, 2021 have taught us that. There's an abundance of maybe material and physical things, but we can do without. You may not need that, those two cups of Starbucks every day. 
to get through the day. I think it's been redefining how everybody works and feels about themselves and also about themselves in the org and people deciding that they want more uh, and working from home now um, on the Yellow Brick Road, you know, following into the end, you know, do you want to do that? Do you want to be that type of person that is a stage five clinger? <laughs> you know, do you want to be that person? Do you want to be able to say close that chapter well, mentally, psychologically, physically, and be okay and say, you know what? I've left nothing behind. I'm good. And move on. Beautiful. And with that, until the next tale. <laughs> <laughs>